Great to be with you all to worship God this morning, and uh, we're so thankful that you're all here, that we're all back together. Uh, it's good to have Andrew and Leah back with us. I've been waiting a long time to say that. I'm glad I finally got to say that. Uh, glad that uh, Grant's feeling better, and Lisa, it's just great to be together today. And thank you for our visitors for being here as well. I hope you have your Bibles open to Philippians chapter 4. Still, we're going to stay there uh, today and examine the passage that, that Joseph read for us in more detail. There's a lot of stress in the world to, lately, and people everywhere are feeling it, and people are looking everywhere to try and find peace in the tumultuous world that we live in. People are all looking all over the place for it, and you can look on the internet. And find all kinds of people trying to give you help on how to find inner peace. I found a blog, the Positivity Blog, and they had 15 things you can do uh, to starting today to help you find inner peace. And I found these somewhat humorous. You can find inner peace by slowing down. You can find inner peace by uncluttering. By using a minimalistic workplace workspace you can find inner peace they say you can find inner peace by being 10 minutes early i'm not sure i don't know i've never tried that one probably should maybe you can find inner peace by being 10 minutes early you can disconnect over the weekend to find inner peace and you can simply breathe to find inner peace now maybe some of those might help i'll tell you they're not going to help us find the peace that we really want and the piece that we really want is in the passage that Joseph read for us in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which pass, surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That's the kind of peace that I want. And I dare say that that's the kind of peace that you want as well. The peace of God that passes all understanding. So how can we enjoy that peace today? How do we get it? Well, it's interesting in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. In the King James Version, it says, Be careful for nothing. That's interesting. Because I don't believe that's what it's telling us here. That we don't need to be careful for anything, because Paul had care for certain things. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 28, Paul's enumerating his challenges, and he says, Besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches, or as it's translated in the King James Version, his care for all the churches. So I don't believe that Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 is telling us that we can't have care about anything. But I believe Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 is telling us that we need to keep our anxieties in check. We need to keep our anxiety in check if we're going to be pleasing to God. Well, how do we do that? How can I keep my anxieties in check and my concerns? There's so many things flying around in the world. How can I keep those things in check? Well, first off, let's simplify things. I can simplify and reduce the number of things that even ought to give me any cause for anxiety if I'll keep my priorities and my perspective in check. And that's what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, beginning of verse 24. Hopefully you can read that. If you can't, you can turn to your Bibles. Matthew 6, beginning of verse 24. 
Jesus says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, or God and riches. You can't serve God and this physical life. You're going to have to make a decision between the two. And he goes on and tells us about things not to worry about, which, interestingly enough, is the same Greek word here that, in, that Paul uses to talk about worrying, be careful for nothing. The same word here and the same idea. What does he say? He's, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying, same word, can add one cubit to his stature? And why? So why do you worry, same word, about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is sown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, the same word again, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Jesus tells us, hey, you can take a lot of things off the table. You got a lot of things that could cause you to be anxious and have anxiety. Well, we can get a lot of those things out of the way if we'll get our priorities right and our perspective right. The physical, the things of this life shouldn't be things that cause anxiety because God has promised us that he'll care for those things. I can get those out of the way right now. But now when my priorities and my perspective get out of whack, then I am tempted to worry about those things, aren't I? When I start to worry about my physical appearance, my perspective has gotten out of whack. Jesus says, why are you worrying about adding one cubit to your stature? You can't change how you look. When I start to worry about my physical needs, am I going to have enough to eat? Am I going to have enough clothes to put on? Am I going to have sufficient shelter to protect me from the elements? When I start worrying about that, I've got my perspective and my priorities out of whack, Jesus says. And even my physical life. I want to keep living as long as I can. I hope nothing happens to me. When I start focusing and getting anxious about that and having anxiety about that, Jesus says, you got your priorities out of whack. No one can serve two masters. You can't serve God and riches. When we begin to let things bother us about physical of a physical nature, Jesus says we need to work on our priorities. And this isn't to minimize our physical needs. But in the big picture, the physical comes in a far second to the spiritual, doesn't it? And we need to focus on the spiritual. Let's start as we look at this idea of being careful for nothing or being anxious for nothing. Let's start by asking ourselves if the things that we're worrying about, are they the things that Jesus said don't worry about? 
You know, I found myself up in the middle of the night, turning on my bed, sadly worrying about things like this that Jesus said I shouldn't worry about. If we'll get our priorities in the right order and get our perspective right, then it'll help us with anxiety. But that doesn't take care of all the things we need to be concerned about, does it? Certainly there are things that we should be concerned about. Things of a spiritual nature that we should be concerned about. Legitimate concerns that we have. How do I handle those things so that it doesn't cause me anxiety? Back to Philippians chapter 4, look at verse 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. There's some important things here, aren't there? That will help me with anxiety. First off, we do this through prayer. I can go to God in prayer and let my request and my needs be known. But I need to do this, it says, with thanksgiving. It is critical that as I go to God in prayer, in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the crisis, in the midst of the things that can cause me anxiety, I've got to mix in thanksgiving with that. And that doesn't come natural, does it, when we're concerned and we're upset. But I need to be giving thanks. I need to be giving thanks for all of God's blessings. And remember all the ways that He has helped me in the past and all the ways that He's helping me currently. If I will focus on being thankful, it will help me as I deal with the conflict and the crisis of the day. In the 100th Psalm, notice this Psalm 100. Psalm 100. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who has made us and we not ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Be thankful to Him and bless His name. For the Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endures to all generations. Those words and that admonition in times of difficulty, I believe will help us to realize that we're serving a God that can take care of all of our needs. We need to come before Him with thanksgiving. God's Word is clear. But how can I be thankful to God when my world is falling apart? When things are flying that seems out of control in my life, how can I be thankful to God at those times? I can be thankful for all the things He's done for me in the past. I can be thankful for who He is. That He is who He is. And I get to serve a God that is so powerful that can care for me. And I can thank God for His faithfulness. That He has always been faithful to His promises in the past. And that He will be faithful through it all to me. I can be thankful. Grant brought this passage to mind a few weeks ago in Psalm 119, verse 62. Maybe we are up at night with the concerns of this life. Psalm 119, verse 62 says, At midnight I will rise to give thanks to you, because of your righteous judgments. We need to be thankful to God 
We need to be thankful to God at all times. And especially as we confront times that may cause us to have anxiety. It says, and let your, uh, in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. We need to let our requests be made known to God. We need to verbalize our requests to God at difficult times. And this is an interesting request by God, an instruction from God, to let our requests be made known to Him because He already knows what we need before we ask Him. Look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who is sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things that you have need of before you ask Him. And that only makes sense, doesn't it, if God is omniscient. He's going to know what I, this little pea brain is thinking before I express it to Him. And He's going to know what I need before I ask Him. You know, I don't, it's not going to catch God by surprise anything that we ask Him that we need. He's like, oh, I didn't know they need that. He knows before we ask Him, but He wants us to verbalize it. He asks us to tell Him what we need. I believe that's for our benefit. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6, notice this. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. When I verbalize it to God, when I let my requests be made known to God, I'm casting my care on Him, aren't I? It helps me to ask God for what I need. How do we get the peace that God wants us to have? In everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And let me tell you something else. This only works if it is in everything. I can't be selective. If I want to have the peace that passes understanding that God has promised, I need to do this in everything that could cause anxiety in my life. God wants it all. I need to go to Him with all of my concerns. Well, what will this peace that passes understanding do? What will it do? Back in Philippians chapter 4, Verse 6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. The peace of God that He promises us, if we'll go to Him and let our requests be made known, will guard our hearts and our minds. Albert Barnes, in his commentary on this passage, says that the terminology that is used here, the word rendered here, shall keep, is a military term. And it means that the mind will be guarded as a camp or a castle is. It would be preserved from the intrusion of anxious fears and alarms. It's guarded like a castle. 
The peace of God that he promises to us will guard our hearts and minds like you'd guard a castle. You'd build a wall around it. Maybe put a moat, right? A moat, maybe put some alligators in that moat. Nothing's getting through. The peace of God will keep our hearts and our minds. We'll guard them. Isn't that a comforting thought? Isn't that an amazing thought? That we don't have to worry that we're going to lose it when the challenging times come. And we're just going to fall apart and just be in pieces. No, the peace of God will keep our hearts and our minds. I want to tell you something else that it'll do. When we fully under, uh, appreciate it for what it is, and when we enjoy it, it's going to keep our hearts and minds from wandering from God, isn't it? Because once I enjoy that peace that only God can provide, I'm not going to wander. I want to stay there and enjoy that peace. It'll keep our hearts and our minds. So how does it do it? How does it do it? I'll tell you, it's very clear from verse 7 there, the very last phrase. It's going to keep our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The peace that we want, the peace that God promises is only available through Christ. If you're outside of Christ, you can't enjoy it. If you're not living like you should, you can't enjoy it. It's only through the relationship with Christ that we can enjoy this peace. Partly because we only enjoy this peace when we go to God in prayer, as verse 6 says. And we understand that prayer is reserved for those who are living like God would have them to live. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 12, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and His ears are open to their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. We can't obey the instruction that is required to enjoy this peace of in everything by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. We can't do that if we're not living like we should. This peace is only available through Christ. If our sin has separated us from God, we're not going to have the blessing of His peace. And this works because it puts the focus on God, not on me. The focus is not how am I going to fix this? The focus is how is God going to fix this? Because I've cast my care on Him. And Isaiah chapter 26 verse 3 says, You will keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. We've got to be in Christ, trusting in him to enjoy the perfect peace that Isaiah is talking about, to enjoy the peace that passes understanding that Paul is talking about. It's only through the relationship we have with God through Christ. God promises us this peace. We only have it if we're in a right relationship with him. And it says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, that the peace which surpasses all understanding is going to keep our hearts and minds. How does it? And why does it surpass all understanding? That's interesting, isn't it? Well, first off, I want to tell you it passes all understanding because it is completely illogical. It doesn't make sense from a physical perspective. That we could be going through the things that we are going through and yet we could still enjoy this phenomenal peace. It will not and it cannot make sense from a physical perspective. It is only through a spiritual perspective that we can enjoy this peace. 
You're not going to get this peace by decluttering your workspace. You're not going to get this peace by breathing. This is a peace that doesn't make sense from a physical perspective. It is only through God. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly things that will not make sense through a physical perspective. The peace passes and surpasses understanding because it doesn't make sense. But second, I want to tell you that it doesn't it, it surpasses understanding because if you haven't experienced it, you won't know what it's like. If you've not experienced the peace that God offers through His Son, if you're outside of Christ and you've never experienced that peace, you'll never understand it because it's not logical. You can't understand it unless you've experienced it. And for those of us who have experienced it, it's beyond words, isn't it? The peace that God offers us through His Son. How do we get it? Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 tells us how we get it. It gives us this peace that guards our hearts and minds. It does it through Christ. And it surpasses all understanding. You might ask yourself then this morning, will it really work? That seems pretty phenomenal. Seems sort of unbelievable. Is it really going to work? Well, I'll remind you that this book that Paul is writing, Philippians, was written to Christians who were at Philippi. And a couple of weeks ago, we studied about what happened in Philippi. In Acts chapter 16, we'll remember that Paul was in a jail in Philippi. And he was in this jail after he had been beaten for serving God. And notice the peace that he has. In Acts chapter 16, verse 19. In Acts chapter 16, verse 19, Paul has cast a demon out of this girl who was bringing her masters much benefit. In verse 19 of chapter 16 of Acts, But when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrates and said, These men being Jews exceedingly trouble our city, and they teach customs which are not lawful for us being Romans to receive or observe. All lies that they were saying about them, by the way. Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. The inner prison, the darkest, nastiest place of the prison, the dungeon, the inside of the prison. And there are Paul and Silas just having their backs beaten with rods, probably bloodied up and raw. And they put their feet in the stocks. And the only way that you can set in the stocks is you can set up and stretch your back that has just been beaten with those rods. Or you can lay back flat on your back that has just been beaten with those rods. It doesn't matter which way you go, you're going to be in torture and agony. In the stocks, in the inner part of the prison, and they don't care anything about how you're feeling. They want you to be miserable. A terrible, terrible place. 
And Paul says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your hearts and minds through Christ. Yeah, right. Well, wait a minute. Look at verse 25. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Do you think Paul and Silas had the peace that passes all understanding? It sure looks like it, doesn't it? What are they doing? They're praying and singing with thanksgiving to God. Will it work? Yes, it will work. No doubt the Christians that Paul is writing to here in Philippians chapter 4 remembered what happened in that jail in Philippi. It was the Christians in that town who were receiving the instruction that Paul gave them that we're examining today. And they had a first-hand experience with how Paul dealt with stressful situations. And it's interesting. Two verses after Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, look at verse 9. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the God of peace will be with you. The things you saw us do or the things you heard about us doing when we were in that jail... Do the same things, and God will be with you. The God of peace will be with you. And we have seen how Paul dealt with his situation. And we've seen the peace that he enjoyed as a result. We need to follow in his footsteps. The question for us this morning is, do you enjoy the peace that passes all understanding? If you're not a Christian, quite frankly, you can't. If you're not enjoying the relationship that God offers you through His Son, you can't enjoy this peace. If you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, it's time to become one. A wonderful time right now to become a Christian. And if you're a Christian and you're not enjoying this peace, you can. What's keeping you from it? Is it sin in your life that's keeping you from enjoying this peace? Is it the sin of not trusting God like you should? And not following the instructions that Paul has given us. If you're a Christian this morning and not enjoying this peace, please make corrections so that you can. If there's anything we can do to help you, will you let us know while we stand and sing?